0: We doing this really wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Pow! What the fuck? Give. And it's also eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF? What the fuck
1: with Mark Marin.
0: All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the sickles? What the fuckaholics? I am Mark Maron. This is WTF. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining I know I've got a lot of uh, new listeners. A couple of things I want to say up front. First of all, almost 400 episodes. Very exciting guests next week. Uh, One I've been trying to get forever, and I'm a big fan of, and the other had a profound, they had a profound impact on my childhood, and I think a lot of the childhoods of people who listen to this show, of anybody who lives in the United States, next Thursday, my guests were very important to me and to America and to comedy and to pot and to weed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that's a big enough hint, but I was just thrilled to have them both uh, both with me uh, here in the garage. Just an amazing, it was amazing. And that, on top of Monday's uh, 400th episode, just unbelievable. Is this my life? Is it? Before I forget... Our guest today is Danny Lobel. I'm sorry it's going to get dewy again, a little bit dewy. It's just the way it is sometimes. All right, another thing before I forget, I'll be in Buffalo at Helium Comedy Club this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I think that's June 20, 21, and 22. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, that's right. All right, so that's that. You know that, Buffalo. Okay, what else? I just got back from the East Coast. I did, uh, we did D.C., we did New York, New York City, did Boston, Massachusetts. What an event. What what a number of events. Holy shit. I took Jessica with me. It was our first uh, post-engagement traveling. And here's what I learned. No more traveling for work with the girl. No more traveling for work with the fiance. Vacation, fine. Work travel, no good. Because you got to focus in. You can't be doing other things. You can't balance that. What am I trying to tell you people? We got to D.C. She'd never been to D.C. I wanted to show her around D.C. And I don't know if it's us or if other people have this issue or it's maybe it's because we're engaged and things are a little hotter. They're both uh, more intense and sort of more relaxed and more intimate, but more frightening to me. But I don't think that has anything to do with it. I got to be honest with you. Every time I travel with her. As a couple, within the first 24 hours, we get into a fucking fight, like a real deal bullshit fight. And this time it played out in Washington. So we went from uh, initial engagement. We went through, we went from tensions to actual uh, conflict and then to resolution right there in this, in our nation's capital. And I I don't, I don't think this process happens this quick ever uh, in any sort of political situation. But this was personal. I I wanted her to see DC. I've grown to become excited when I see DC. It doesn't matter what's going on there or who's in the buildings. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about looking at the the grand the grand scope of it, the monuments, the the buildings, the uh, the history. I've grown to become impressed that someday our government will once again live up to these buildings. Or the idea of them. Or something will happen. It will evolve. I have hope. I have hope for America. I have hope for America. But bottom line is I wanted to show her a couple things. She'd never been to the Smithsonian. I'm not sure I had been to the Smithsonian. So I said, well, what's in there? And she was remembering the uh, N- Night at the Museum movie or something. She said, I think the Kitty Hawk plane is there. And I'm like, oh, okay. You want to see the you know, the plane from Kitty Hawk, the Wright Brothers. So I uh, did some research. We went to the original Smithsonian. That, that doesn't have anything in it, really. There's a garden that's not even that impressive. The building itself is kind of nice. It's old. It's okay, whatever. So then we go to the Air and Space Museum. And I never knew what a guy I was. I latently, latent. I'm a latent, uh, you know, dude, dude. I guess. I mean, I got in there. I'd never been in there. I'm like, ooh, space capsules. Look how small the space capsules are. One guy went up in that capsule at the top of a rocket. That's crazy. I would go crazy. I would crawl out of my skin. I could never be an astronaut. Ooh, three guys were in this one. Oh, this one's only for two guys. I think this one was for a monkey. How did people fly in those things? These are the questions I was asking. If you're wondering, I wasn't saying this in, in an excited way because I'm dragging a woman around the Aerospace Museum, much more excited than I anticipated. Uh, they had missiles. We went and saw the Kitty Hawk plane, and things were okay. You know, she doesn't do well with big crowds, and there, it was kind of crowded, so we're getting a little irritable. We hadn't eaten yet. So in my mind, you know, she's a vegetarian, and I... uh you know, I know for a fact that the uh, Museum of the, uh, of the American Indian happens to have the best food court uh, of the Smithsonian system. Uh, you go downstairs in the Museum of the American Indian, and they have food from all the different regions of the indigenous peoples of our country. You know, you get stuff like squash mush, cornbread, buffalo, all kinds of weird vegetable dishes, but it's it's great stuff. And in my mind, she's like, I'm not really hungry. I'm feeling queasy. I thought, well, I'd certainly... I could coax her into finding some lovely food of our of our of our indigenous peoples there in the uh the Museum of the American Indian, which I, I didn't go to the exhibit. I just went for the food. I wanted to get some cornbread, maybe some stew, something uh something earthy. And we get down there and I'm like, look at it. Like when I look at food, especially a lot of food, especially a lot of separate buffets, I get a type of excitement that I, you know, I almost a glaze goes, you know, comes over my eyes. And I enter some other level of uh, ecstasy just knowing that all that food is around me and there are all these possibilities and it all looks so interesting and there's pork involved and there's buffalo involved and there's but there's also uh, some maple probably there's some maple there's some grains probably some corn uh, products there because of the Indians. She's like, well, just get whatever you want. And I'm like, well, aren't you going to eat? She's like, no, I told you I'm not eating here. And I just was like, well, fuck it. I'm not eating here either. And then we go outside and she's like, I knew you would do this. I knew you. I'm, I said, I'm not doing nothing. And then it just went into a full on fuck off kind of ridiculous fight. There was drama on the grounds of the Museum of the American Indian. People were watching as the conflict uh, you know, started to take off. You know, I got worked up. I didn't yell too loud, but I got animated. I'd like to say that I'm no longer yelling, but I do get angrily animated. She got animated. Uh, she stormed off. I stormed after her. And she and I go, well, fuck it. I, you know, fuck this. Fuck it. That's it. I'm done with this. And she walked her way. I walked mine. And we began to walk around the grand mall of the Capitol. And she's walking one way towards the Capitol I'm walking away. But I'm also watching her from afar. And I'm like, what's going to happen? This is bullshit. I love her. She's over there. We're in Washington. We should be enjoying our day. Did I fuck it up? Did she fuck it up? What difference does it make? It's a fucking mess now. It's our first day on vacation and everything has fallen apart. The marriage was now tentative. The engagement was tentative. Everything became very drama filled. And then she texted me from the other side of the mall And I said, well, what are we doing? What's going on? I said, I don't know. This is stupid. And then, you know, so we were negotiating. We were negotiating a peace treaty. And she goes, where are you? We went back and forth. I said, I'm I'm coming around to the Capitol. She said, me too. And uh, then we enacted the peace treaty right there in front of the Capitol. I'd like to say on the Capitol steps, we hugged, we kissed, we made up. We decided we'd never do that again. So if that is not a, a good American story, I don't know what is. And then we went and saw dinosaurs. So we went from outer space. Like During that fight, all I wanted to be was in one of those capsules on the top of a rocket. Just, I just wanted to be in a space capsule. One of the ones that only seated one person orbiting the Earth saying, fuck it. Fuck it all. This is bullshit. Just flying through space. Just me to nobody flying through space. I'm done with this shit. I'm done with it. Just orbiting the Earth until splashdown. But then we went and looked at dinosaur bones. I don't know when the last time we looked at dinosaur bones, but we were holding hands, looking at dinosaur bones, marveling at the fact that they were 50 to 60 million years old. And there's a sort of hopelessness involved in looking at dinosaur bones. You're like, how are we already at the end of our rope as a species? (laughs) And there are certain things that have been plugging along for fucking millions and millions of years. How are we struggling as a species? When there are these bugs, I guess I should ask Rogan. He's up on this stuff. Uh, maybe I should get more involved with the science of things. Well, that was DC. Then we went to New York City, and uh, you know, I did some. Uh, the DC reading was great at six tonight. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for bringing me presents. Thank you for those records. Whoever brought me those, they're very, they're great. Uh, it was great to see everybody. I saw my grandma's neighbor. I said, "Well, you know what I'm saying." It was great. Then we go to New York the next day. Took the train up took the train the romance of the train is diminished by the fact that you are only driving through the shittiest parts of town if you romanticize train travel just know that you will be looking out at industrial garbage rotted out vehicles and the shitty side of the tracks for your entire journey up into Newark up them through uh, union trenton whatever philly all the worst parts of all those great american towns and cities you will see on your journey on the train the event at Barnes and Noble went great. There's a few, must have been three, four hundred people there. Thank you for coming out. The next day at Bryant Park, we got rained out, and Julie Klausner interviewed me in the New York Public Library, right there in the building with the lions in front. Had a great time. The only thing I came away from New York uh, with was like, I'm glad I don't fucking live here anymore, and they should not allow cars on the island. Then we went up to Harvard Square the next day. It was lovely. Did the event at the Brattle Theater where I once saw Spalding Gray do Swimming to Cambodia. And I uh, had a great event there. Thank you for the cookies. Thank you for the comic books. Thank you all for coming out. And we stayed an extra day in Harvard Square. And I really wanted to to sort of bask in the sterility of the Ivy League groove. You know, Harvard Square. You know I, I worked there when I was younger. And there was always there's always a few street performers and a little grit, but it seems very controlled grit. It is right there next to Harvard. Nothing big or bad is going to happen. And I still have this Ivy League envy in me. I still think that if I had just I'm just watching people in their blue blazers, old guys dressed like professors sitting there, probably thinking big thoughts, you know, getting ready to go teach their class at the world's most uh, the world's most elite college. I think like, why? Why didn't I do that? And uh, I said that out loud and Jess uh, Jess says, uh, you know, you wouldn't be making much money and um, it'd be okay, I guess. I mean, but you have friends that do that. Do you really want to do that? I'm like, I guess you're right. But maybe there's still time. Perhaps if I stay at it and I keep it my own groove, that this groove will be teachable. And someday, instead of rising up through the ranks of show business, I will be put out to pasture at one of the great colleges of our of our great country, and I will have a class where I will talk about things, maybe. So I told you I had Danny Lobel. Danny LaBell, on the show today. Danny LaBell used to host a thing called Comical Radio in New York City, and all the comics did it. Was over at the uh, one of the buildings. I think it was a NYU building. Uh, oh, what? Oh, geez, I don't remember. But he really hosted one of the first comedian podcasts and he's a comic from new york kid's been out and about doing his thing but he also grew up in an orthodox jewish home so you know i'm not going to be able to not ask about that he also has got some good stories about some comedians that we all know and uh i think you'll enjoy it he's a sweet guy his album is out did i mention that danny labelle's album is out i got it right here in my hand danny labelle some kind of comedian is available now from stand-up records the guys who put out my first three records all right, so let's talk to Danny Wabell. One of the uh, pioneers. I don't even know if we'd call it podcasting, but comical radio was a
1: big deal. I would say it was the very first comedy podcast ever. Really.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, it was great fun. I, and that's where I met Pat Cooper.
1: All right, I remember that day specifically because it was like Pat had been on maybe 13 times. Yeah with the day that you came in yeah he, he was on so many times yeah and and then when I wouldn't have him on I'd get a call how come you don't have me on anymore yeah you know? yeah yeah I'm like of course I'd have you on I would never say no to yeah, Pat yeah. Cooper right. so at a certain point I'd interviewed him I'd re-interviewed him yeah and uh I had no more questions for Pat Cooper yeah 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 and he'd just come in and he, he'd he won a rant about usually about Kathy Griffin and the D-list she's gonna mess up the D-list and she's gonna become A-list and yeah, then her yeah. career is gonna be over yeah and uh, I figured, you know what, he's a comedy legend. If he wants to come in and rant on this, you know, nothing show, whatever mm-hmm. it was, you know, let him rant. Yeah. So uh, that was my attitude by, by time 13 that Pat Cooper came in. Well, we and, learned something though, that day. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I remember you came in and, and you said, what is this show? You, you, you just, you don't even ask him any questions. You just have a man screaming into a microphone. <laughs> and I wanted to be like Mark I asked him all the questions yeah,
0: you're but, done already yeah no but there was a big moment in that show because remember he said like I'm a name Rickles is a star yeah right there's a difference between a star and a name yeah yeah that that stayed with me do you remember that yeah I do remember isn't that isn't that what he said yeah
1: there is a difference interesting but you interviewed a lot of guys who were some of the other old guys George Carlin three times really yeah he came in once and did two phoners uh-huh. uh huh what was it like having him in there it was uh astounding you know i when he he had such a presence about him yeah that uh you know when you're around certain people there's an energy to them yeah, yeah, you know oh, yeah, he, yeah. he brought such this gigantic energy with yeah, him yeah 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 and when he walked in like i felt like the hairs on my on my hand stand up you right, know right yeah yeah and and there was this feeling of like Before he came in, I'm like, I got to do this thing with George that nobody's done. I'm going to, you know, I got to get some kind of interview that nobody's ever got out. Yeah. Then when he walked in there, I'm like, anything he says. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So that must have been not that long before he died. Yeah. No, the the time he came in was less than a year before he died. Wow. But but we, I I got to know him pretty well for the last few years of his life. Yeah. Um, It was a remarkable thing because I worked for Jackie Mason- Who's you another did? person who? Yeah, what I, a
0: miserable fuck that guy is. I got a beef with him only because he said something to me that hurt my feelings. But I mean, I you know I I respect yeah. him. I know he's uh you know he's a real deal. He's a great comic, but he just said something mean he's, to me. But, oh, he's no certainly
1: good at hurting feelings. I'll <laughs> give you that. Really? Like yeah. why? Well, I mean, you had to put up with it. How? What'd you do? In what capacity well, did you work? I for? sold his merchandise at his Broadway show, and. Uh, you were this merch guy? <laughs> I was his merch guy, yeah. How old were you then? Oh man. Um probably about twenty two. Yeah. Were and, you doing uh, stand up yet? I was doing stand up. I started doing stand up seriously when I was nineteen, like going out every night. Right. Um I the thing that the the thing with Jackie, I don't know if you remember, I had a magazine and I actually had you on one of the covers of it. What it was, was it called? Again? Com- comical magazine. Yeah, 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 I remember. So I I got an interview with him mm-hmm. and uh, I did the whole interview over the phone, right? And there, it was an old MP3 recorder. Yeah, no, not not MP3, uh, an old mini disc recorder. Yeah, and the whole thing, I hit it wrong or something. The whole thing was screwed up. So when I played back, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh shit! You know he's expecting this interview to come out, and uh, <laughs> I was, i didn't want to come clean that I fucked it up. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to seem like a fuck up. Yeah. So I called him up with follow quote unquote follow up questions, but they were the same questions. Did he know? He caught on. Yeah. I, I have another. I, I said, "Can you clarify one more thing about how you uh, started out in comedy? What do you mean clarify? I told you this. I already told you this. Yeah. What the, how can you clarify? I told you that. He goes, "Did you fuck up the recording? And I go. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> he goes. All right, fine. I'll I'll do it again. Come yeah. down to the, it, where was it, the Wellington Diner, and come down to the Wellington Diner. Yeah. We'll we'll sit down. We'll redo the interview. Yeah. So I come I come down and and, and this is I also just started up uh, the podcast yeah. around this time. Yeah, and we do the interview and it goes great. Yeah. at the Wellington. Yeah, and I'm like, oh man, we have a real connection. We we also have It's hard to find I grew up an Orthodox Jew, and yeah he did, and it's it's kind of a, an alienating thing, and yeah, it, and we had this in common, and yeah. we bonded on it, and uh I was like, oh, this went so well, yeah I don't want this to be over like, yeah. I'll never see the guy again. Yeah. I go, you know, I also have a podcast, yeah uh, I'd love if you came in and did the podcast. And then he just flipped out and, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, you you, you take advantage. Uh, you get a guy to give you an interview and you fuck up the interview and then you get a second interview. Now you want a fucking third interview. What do you think? I got nothing but time for you. He just went off on me. Yeah. Completely destroyed me. Yeah, I he, left and I was like broken up. and yeah. I was, The next day, uh, he called me up. He's like, you know, I was very harsh on you last night and uh feel kind of bad about it. Uh, <laughs> If you want, uh, I'm going to be having dinner at such and such a place. If you want to join me, uh, I'll buy you some spaghetti. We'll make it up. Yeah. And then I I, I was like, all right, I, I'll go down there and just sort of smooth it over. Yeah. And it'll be done. Yeah. And then we hit it off like for real. Yeah. And then he's like, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to be at the Auburn Pan at five o'clock. They get rid of all the the stale uh, donuts and they give them to you for nothing. You know, all right, okay. So, <laughs>
0: so that's really so, so, an old Jew that wants free donuts. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so we start hanging out. For about two years, about almost every day. I mean, really? Yeah. I, and uh, and then he offered, He says, "You you know you got this magazine, but you got no money. You're a schmuck. You know. You, he says uh, you're scraping along. You you can't even buy a coffee. You know. He goes. Uh, he, so he says, come and sell merch for me on at my Broadway show.' So he gave me that job. Yeah. And one day that I was off, there was also another old guy that would sell. Like you know, some days were my days, some yeah. days were his days. Yeah something like named Morty or something a friend of his yeah it was like Morty's day Yeah, you know and he calls me up uh, I'm walking I remember exactly where I was I was walking around Times Square yeah and I get this call he goes hello hello he always starts hello hello yeah he says let me ask you a question you like Georgie Carlin and I, it took me a second to pry. I go, you mean George Carlin? Yeah, I love George Carlin. You know, yeah, I got so excited. He goes, who the fuck asked you if you love George Carlin? It's nauseating. You don't get so excited about Starstruck. I just ask if you like George Carlin. Yeah. I go, yeah, I like George Carlin. He goes, all right, so George is coming to the show tonight. I thought it might be a good opportunity for you, a young comedian. You'd maybe like to meet him. So I know it's not your night, but if you want to come down, I'll introduce you. So I came down and afterwards he called me into the back room at the Broadway show and i just hang out with Jackie and George. It was how I met George Carlin and it was like the coolest thing. And Jackie was super nice to me and, and he's like, this guy, is a brilliant young guy, he's wonderful, you're going to love him. So George Carlin said, cool, yeah, let's exchange information. And uh, and I asked George to do an interview for that magazine and yeah. he's, he's like, you know, George is very serious. He goes, here's my address, send me a letter. <laughs> And, uh, so I, 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 he says, and I'll get, you know, so I send him a letter, a real letter, a real, yeah, handwritten, yeah, 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 handwritten yeah. letter. And, uh, one day I have a voicemail and I check my phone and, hello, Danny, it's George Carlin. I got your letter. Very nice. <laughs> 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 he goes, uh, my, now my schedule's looking very busy. Call me back in nine weeks. <laughs> So yeah. I go on my calendar, I put a mark, nine weeks to the day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Call him back nine weeks. Yeah. Okay, things are moving around. I don't know when I'm going to have time for that interview. Call me back in three months. <laughs> okay. Again, I put it in there, three months later, you know? Yeah. Call him back in three months. And it was like he was waiting. He's like, all right, very good. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Let's do the interview on Monday. I'm like, all right, wow, cool. So uh, we did that interview. And then again, he goes. Now he was so generous. He goes. And he goes. I know people get nervous, you know, and uh, you might have forgotten some things you want to ask me. Yeah. He said, if anything comes up when you're editing this thing, and you want to have any more questions, you know, this is my number. Don't give it out to anyone. Yeah. Uh, you can. Uh, you can reach me. I go. Okay. So now I'm racking my brain for more questions because I want to call him again. Sure, you, know? you got to
0: George Carlin back.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I, I called him up with some more questions, and that time around uh, we started talking and. He's like, I'm going to be in New York. Uh, we should meet up, and 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 somehow we wound up uh, talking on the phone fairly regularly for about the last three years of his life. So it was really cool. And then he came into to my college, you know, podcast and a college radio show. Yeah, it was kind of he, the Jamaican security guards like asking him for ID. I remember like, do you yeah, remember yeah, that guy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He harassed everybody. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you know, I'm George Carlin. He goes, I don't know who is George Carlin. He's going <laughs> crazy. You have ID. (laughs) I come down, like, he's cool. He's cool, man. Uh, Yeah. All right. All right.
0: Oh, my God. So, like, all right. So, you have a relationship that goes on for a long time. You're a young guy. Mm -hmm. You got a relationship with Jackie uh, Mason, who I apologize for being rude to, but he was rude to me. And, you know, I certainly think he's a great comic. And now with George Carlin, I mean, what what resonated with you? I mean, obviously, they got something out of you. What do you think it was?
1: I don't know. I just, uh, I... I have such a reverence for what, you know, for the art, I guess. Yeah. You know, and, and I could talk about comedy for hours, which I've, you know, done for many years. So I I think... Did they think do they most
0: p- of the talking? I mean, it seems like sometimes these old guys, they want to have, a, you know, a, a young guy
1: around just to feel like they're still in it. Yeah. Well, Jackie always, you know, holds the table. Like, yeah, you, you know? right, right. Remember how Patrice used to hold the table yeah. at the comedy cellar? Sure. Jackie, Jackie's like times 10 in terms of like an you older know, it's an older you whiter know. table yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a strange collection of people sometimes but uh yeah he'd always hold the table and um I think I think a lot of it is just wanting to leave a legacy I remember one specific conversation Jackie and I had in the lobby of his building one night at like two in the morning yeah and he started asking me all these names of people like are you familiar with Myron Cohen I go, yeah. I know a little bit about Myron Cohen you know about uh Shecky Green? I go, yeah, I know, and then he named a few people I didn't know. And like I saw his face drop, you yeah. know. He goes, You don't know any of those people? I go, No, I don't I don't know who they are. And he, and he goes, these were these people had huge careers. It's, it's not that many years since they've been gone. Yeah. He goes, You don't know any of them? You're a young comedian, you're in this business and you don't know who they are. Who were they? You don't remember? I don't know. Like Mousy Lawrence or somebody? It could have yeah. been, I don't yeah. know. But I just in that moment, I kind of understood why I was there, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: yeah, So It was on you. Yeah. You're the legacy. Yeah. Yeah, you got to keep it alive. It's, uh, I'm an important man. Yeah. Yeah, you would understand that. And you want
1: to be remembered. You know? Yeah. What
0: about some of yeah, So what, what were your conversations with Carlin like? What, did you just need um, to talk about stuff? I mean, what was the tone?
1: Well, there was a bunch of them, and then he kind of went into rehab for, I think, we talked a lot when he he was in Vegas. Yeah and he hated playing in las vegas mm-hmm. and uh and then we, we kind of fell out when he went into he went into rehab there but He for a just while. wanted I to call he just had
0: like road but, complaints kind of no, thing no he
1: he usually it was me calling him yeah. it was rarely him calling me but he did call me on a few occasions and the one time that it really uh the coolest call i think i've ever gotten in my life was just him uh calling up and saying uh I don't remember what, what was the introduction to it, but he said something about, like, you do any sets tonight? And I go, yeah, I did the Village Lantern. And he goes, yeah, oh, where, where is that? I say, oh, yeah, he said, oh, I used to perform all well there." I go, yeah, at the bitter end, right? Yeah, yeah. He goes, how'd it go? I go, yeah, to be honest with you, it didn't go well at all. He goes, yeah, I had a lot of long subway rides home up to Harlem back in the day. <laughs> and I, I felt that... It was like the coolest connection <laughs> that we both bombed in the same area <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's hilarious what now what about the archives are you got them up? a lot of them are up um where on iTunes com- oh, yeah comical radio on iTunes yeah but uh I just I got to a point where I didn't feel there was there was a point for me to continue on and this is a to your credit and to a lot of guys' credits yeah uh I was I was uh touring all over Europe and I was on a I was actually listening to your interview with Dimitri Martin. Yeah. And um I remember being like oh, I asked Dimitri that question. And 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 you did it way better than me and that's that's fine <laughs> and that's cool and and I pre- I love your show. Yeah. And I remember oh I asked him that question. <laughs> and then I heard another question. I go I got to stop doing this. <laughs> <I> just <laughs> why? There was that moment where I'm like I guess I felt I was filling a, a need at, at, when I started doing it. Like mm-hmm. People needed to get these stories out of these comedians. Right. But once the need was being filled in a way that I felt was being done better than me, yeah. I didn't... There's, it, I was like, I got to do something else. Yeah, know? but you were
0: doing a lot of stand-up. I mean, you are starting to come into your own over there. I remember, yeah. I remember when you went over there, and you seemed to have a, a, a pretty good time of it. But like when I first met you... You were just a sweaty kid. <laughs> Still am. <laughs> <were> running around <laughs> doing sets. But it's weird because you, like, when you were with uh, Jackie, did you bond around the Orthodox Jew thing?
1: Yeah, a lot. I mean, I've had and continue to have a huge internal struggle with that. Because I talked to Ari
0: Shafir, and, and I, I actually I, got an email from a guy mm-hmm. who said, you know, you, you didn't let him talk. You didn't let him tell you why you know, what the meaning was behind some of the stuff that he was brought up with. You didn't, you know, you you, you sort of were quick to stereotype and jump on the negative I, I of it. I didn't
1: think you did that at all. I listened to that interview. Well, he was an orthodox Jew. Uh, yeah. Thought he, you
0: know, that yeah, he was probably upset that, like, you know, why didn't you talk to him about, you know, what he learned,
1: you know? Yeah. Well, I, I listened to your interview with Ari, and I, I thought you were actually playing the other side pretty well. Ari is very angry and... I've been there. I've yeah. kind of... I think I've, I've passed that point with Angry it. at the upbringing. Angry at the upbringing because I have such an interesting situation with it. First of all, I was raised initially conservative. Yeah. Then my family decided to move and become Orthodox because that's the community they moved to. Where was that? We moved from Flushing, Queens yeah. uh, to Long Beach, New York. Right. And then I got, you know, sent to yeshiva. Yeah. And... I didn't hate it. I, I liked learning Gemara. I liked learning all that stuff. I What I didn't like is... You're learning I'm, what, Gemara? What's gem, that? Gemara, it's um, the commentaries on, on the laws, yeah. you know, by the different rabbis right. and the arguments and the right. minutia. I think yeah. it's especially, a, it's it's kind of like listening to a bunch of comics at the cellar, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, but, you know, they're, these are great yeah. rabbis I mean, they're, talking they're, about... Your bigger issues, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. It, different issues, right. but, you know, but they're all sort of sitting there with strong opinions and uh-huh. trying to... I love that stuff. Uh I was an I was always an artist when I was a kid. I painted. I still paint. Yeah. Um and uh I, I felt like it you know, and obviously it doesn't really nurture the arts very much being in a yeshiva. Right. And that's where I always felt very alienated. You right. know, I I never really fit in. Right. But in terms of like the Jewish learning that I guess Ari didn't connect to much, I loved it, you know, and uh and I still learn it, you know, I on my own. Yeah. Well, I mean, what is? But maybe I
0: should go, you know, be more specific about what is expected of you. You know, as a as a kid in yeshiva, or in your family was probably new to it, so they were trying to. They were probably
1: overcompensating. I mean, what were the yeah. responsibilities? I mean, you had to get up and pray. You had to, uh, yeah, every, three, pray three times a day. And You had to do t- fill in fill in, in the morning. Yeah. Um, the the school days were very long. You wouldn't get out till seven at night, and you'd have a ton, ton of homework. Sunday school, you know. Uh, we didn't have cable TV. I, I didn't realize how sheltered I was really until I got into comedy. And, and I remember being like, I, how am I going to talk to these people when I start doing stand up? Like, they're not going to relate to me at all. Like, I didn't. I found out about stand up comedy. This is, this is a. I like to tell this story, too, yeah. because people don't believe it. But I really found out about stand up comedy because my grandma called me up and said, you have to check out this Seinfeld program. Yeah. And I saw Jerry Seinfeld. And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" But I didn't know there was a whole world of it. I just thought this guy started something new. Yeah. I, I, so when I went up, I you know I started doing some funny stories. You didn't know he was a, a comedian. You didn't know. No, that. I knew he was a comedian. I didn't think there were that many in the world. I <laughs> thought. And <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and and my whole world was the Jewish world. Yeah. And I got uh, the the only where they intersected was there was a funniest Jewish comedian contest in the Jewish Week. Yeah. At Stand Up New York. Stand Up New York, right? And I'm like, oh, funniest Jewish comedian. I'm going to get to meet Seinfeld. I yeah. really thought that. I thought how it would many be... more could there be? Yeah, yeah, I thought it'd be me and him, and and <laughs> I'd heard of Jackie Mason, and that was it. I thought, okay, I found my people. Yeah. <laughs> how old were you? Oh, I was 15. So that's, so that's old yeah for that kind of you know to be that in the dark about it yeah so I, what'd you do so i I signed up for this thing yeah. I went there yeah and I couldn't believe the people were there or, you know some guy from a synagogue with index cards and you know uh some i'm a, i'm I'm looking around a for a sign for where is he you yeah. know I really thought I'd be going up you know he'd say oh cool we got another one you yeah, know yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you ever meet him ultimately Seinfeld? Yeah. I never met him, but I, I sat behind him at Lucian's funeral. So that's the closest. Lucian, the guy who owned the comic strip. Yeah.
0: So but but in terms of uh, you know, when you started doing it, when you started to realize that comedy was reality, I mean, how'd that affect your uh your
1: connection to Judaism? What is your struggle that you mention here? Well, I moved away from I got very mad at Judaism at a certain point. I got kicked out of yeshiva. For um, what? Well, for being a class clown and for being Uh, not an academic. Right. And I got put in Yeshiva High School. It was its first year of the high school. Yeah. And they had like this crazy standard that everybody here is going to graduate and go to Harvard and Yale. And I didn't fit that mold. Right. And uh, I didn't do anything that would really warrant me being kicked out, but they kicked me out. And I, I, like I said, I loved the learning, you know? Yeah. And I didn't want to lose it. Yeah. And I was devastated. I remember sitting with the rabbi and I was like broken up and I said, don't, don't take this away from me. Yeah. And uh, and he said, look, I'm sorry, that, you know, there are people, it's not my decision. Yeah. In other words, there's people with money that want a reputation and they want you out of here, you know? Really? And uh, I got so mad. I got so mad at re- at the religion. I got so mad at Judaism. Um, I went to public high school. At first, I went to, first, no other Jewish school would take me. Because yeah. they're like, why is this guy getting kicked out? And they're like, well, my parents are like, hey, he doesn't have great grades or anything. And right. Go, that can't be it. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's got to be fucked up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Something wrong with him. <laughs> Something's yeah, really yeah, wrong yeah. with this guy. Yeah. So the only one that took me was like this one for like uh, druggy Jews, you know, like Jews, uh, Jewish uh, yeshiva students that were like complete burnouts and they were, and, and I wasn't one of them, you know? So you were there with what, potheads, ex heroin junkies? Yeah. What kind of people? All, all sorts of misfits, you know, guys. But misfits in yarmulkes. Misfits and yarmulkes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were some great, and I have some good friends from there till now that- Yeah. There were some great fucked up Jews there, you yeah, know? Like, like, like There was this kid, uh, I don't want to say his name, but he, he was a Russian kid. Yeah. And he had one arm. Yeah. And he had a prosthetic arm and his insurance would replace it every so often. Yeah, yeah. And the best thing ever was we took a short bus to this school. We yeah. really did. It was a short bus and it was an hour away. Yeah. And we're on the, the Meadowbrook and he used to, you know, every time he get a, a new arm, he'd have these old arms to fuck with, you yeah, know? yeah he would gotten a new arm, he had his old arm, <laughs> Yeah. and he took a giant Ziploc bag and he filled it up with marinara sauce, yeah. and he clutched it, the, the hand could clutch yeah. in the arm, yeah. he clutched the bag of sauce in the hand, yeah. and he stuck it out the window of the school bus, and he, you know those windows, you, you pull in the little tabs and push it up, and right. so tight, and it, yeah. so it's holding the arm, yeah. and the bag is like flickering in the wind, yeah. and he just waits till the to this car changes lanes to get behind the bus and he yeah. opens the window on the arm and the sauce flies out and hits the <laughs> hits the window and there's like this screech and the car pulls over the side and the bus driver pulls over and we're on the side of the Meadowbrook. brook and yeah. there's like a big spider web uh, of uh, broken, you know, the glass isn't broken but it's got that big spider web yeah, yeah. on the front and it's an old couple and they're screaming and, and we're all sitting there for like two hours, his parents get called. <laughs> Oh my God! That's but a, he was a fucked up Jew, you yeah, know. So yeah. they're like, "Hey, that's you know, that's why he's there." Because <laughs> he throws his arm out the window yeah. with sauce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. so was
0: that where did you at least feel a little more at home with those guys?
1: Uh, a little bit, but I didn't like it there at all. It was a half a hallway that we shared. The rest of the school was a nursery school, and we were just pretty much treated like retard. I, I hated it. <laughs> So I was like, I gotta get out of here. So my parents are like, Well, no other Jewish schools oh, want you. So they yeah. sent me to a public school, right? And I thrived in in the public school. It had the great art department and sure. a, and everything. And I and I was like, That's it. No more religion for me ever again. I'm out of here. And never dated Jewish women and. Made sure to sort of avoid it, however possible.
0: Well, I mean, but do you like? I mean, when you say you struggle
1: with it now, I mean, what, did you believe in God? Well, yeah, and I still do, and uh, and that's not a popular opinion uh, in the comedy world because I think it it implies that you don't know a certain truth, you know? Yeah. Everybody else, is like, come on, man, this guy believes in God. Yeah. We yeah. All believe in Santa Claus? Yeah. Too. And I've I've had, and it's not like I just believe in God. I've, I mean, I've spent way too long you know reading and just thinking and pacing and i try to get rid of this belief of god however i could because it would have been so much more convenient you know yeah um but ultimately i believe in god i i can't help that that's what i believe yeah you know i the one revelation i had was that when I was born, I was born into the idea of God as a truth. Yeah. And I am and I shifted to God as a belief. Right. Because basically you have a choice. You're given the evidence. There is no right answer. Yeah. There is no yes, God exists or no, God doesn't exist. This is the evidence we got for God. You know, you got guys like Spinoza and, you know... Richard Dawkins and whoever else and you know I've read all their stuff and they make good arguments here and there and you figure out Spinoza was a god guy, guy wasn't he He was he was uh he believes in god as sort of like nature Yeah you know Right And uh and and I read you know religious things yeah. about god and and I love reading things from atheists and, Yeah And it basically it boils down to this is the evidence for god this is the evidence against god Pick a side. Yeah, which one appeals to you? Right, and the God side appeals to me. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a, and you find it uh, comforting? It's comforting. Uh, it sort of makes sense to me. I feel like too much make too much in the world can't be a coincidence. Too many different things that I've observed seem to have some kind of intelligent design. Where I feel like there's something. There's something controlling it all. Sure. And, uh, and then people go, hey, man, you just need to comfort yourself with God, you know? You, you just can't face your mortality. And I go, oh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> what's wrong with that? You yeah, know, yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. die and I'm going to die, so yeah. who cares if I'm more comfortable than you? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We're going to do it alone no matter what. Yeah. But I mean, but when so, you, like, when you go, like, I know you struggle with stuff. I mean, do you, do you find, like, uh, some solace in the, I mean, do you pray?
1: So I I do. Uh, sort of. The, the this is where it all got crazy. So I start dating non-Jewish women exclusively. I'm yeah. like I'm staying away from anything Jewish. Right. You know I'm I have a proud sense of Jewish identity. Yeah. I could you know I yeah could, I, I could be a Herzl type. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You're gonna start a country. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, and so I start dating my current girlfriend, and she moves in with me three years ago. In and, New York. Yeah. In New where York. You live in? now I live here but, no, but where are you where are you living now where am I living now where were you living there Cleans, oh in Brooklyn? Bushwick oh, you're, yeah. so you're out there yeah yeah and she says she starts telling me crazy shit like uh, I think I'm a reincarnated holocaust survivor so I said alright well it makes sense now that she's with me you yeah. know is she Jewish <laughs> no okay so I, so I said alright well and then she starts I really want to convert to Judaism something I really want to do if I've always wanted to do it alright well, uh, just make sure it's the least religious kind, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 right.
0: <laughs> so you're even fighting her
1: on that. Yeah. So like, I, I, I'm dating you because it's a rebellion. I, so, I, I, yeah, yeah. I should, you got to be, you have to understand the fact like, that you're with me is because you're not Jewish. You're <laughs> going to fuck this up, you know? You can't. <laughs> yeah. So we start meeting with rabbis, and there's a lot of phony fucks out there, you know? and and What do you mean? Well, there's scammy conversion rabbis, you know? Really? Are, yeah, they'll be like, yeah, give me a thousand bucks. You'll <laughs> be a Jew. <laughs> What, I don't so, got to do anything? Sure, you eat the sandwich and you're in. The One rabbi says, uh, he goes, you ever had farmer's cheese? I go, yeah. You ever eat tongue, though? I go, yeah. He goes, you're more Jewish than most people. Congratulations, you're halfway there. <laughs> so I say, get this guy out of here. You know, we're not going with him. Yeah. And she, you know, didn't like him either. So who does she connect with? An orthodox rabbi. Right. She gets this great bond with an Orthodox rabbi, and I'm like, that's it. It's over. Get out. Move out of the place. Yeah. Over time, I I started to, you know, she's like, have an open mind. Come at it differently this time. You've had bad experiences. You have a lot of baggage. I said, but I don't want it. It's not how I want to live my life. Yeah. And she goes, well, at least meet with him, you know, because it's important to me and I meet with him and I reluctantly connect with him you know <laughs> and this I, is about her conversion it's not yeah. but, but I have to be supportive throughout it right, i have right. they can't have a someone converting with an anti-jew jew you know you can't have the the self-hating jew can't be part of the right it's going to it's going to ruin her experience yeah yeah so i've sort of had to you know do certain things that i'd moved away from to right. help her conversion like what uh, Go to temple? Like Shabbat. Oh, yeah? So, you know, especially touring on the weekends, very hard to do Shabbat. Sure. So I won't travel on Shabbat now. Oh, really? I won't travel. and It's, if hard, I... to,
0: it's hard to travel with the bread and the candles?
1: Yeah. Well, hey, no, I mean, I won't travel on, on Shabbat. No I'll, working, right. Yeah, I'll walk to the venue right. from the hotel. Right. So... Then there's this question of, like, what am I doing? You know, am I living this lie? Am I going through motions just for her? For her, and I'm I'm not myself anymore. And if somebody questions me, why are you doing this? I sound like an idiot, you know? Yeah. So then I just like, I have to find meaning in Shabbat for myself. So I start reading about Shabbat. Why do people like it? I start having Jews over, you know, for meals, and I start, you know, interrogating them at the table. Like, (laughs) they're getting mad because why'd you have me here? You know, yell at me. Yeah. What would you find out? For yourself. What I found out is removing myself on my own will from all this stuff and sort of turning off my phone and turning off my computer and all this has, I hate to admit it, been very good for me as a writer. Yeah. Um, you can't write on Shabbat. You can't write, but I can write as soon as Shabbat's over. So you just sit there and I can and just remember pour things? out all these ideas that build and build inside <laughs> me, you know, that I get, you know... I'm Suddenly, The Shabbat diary. You ever get stuck with your own thoughts, you know? Yeah. There's and, and you have no distractions. You're like, come on, give me something. Give me something. Yeah, it can, yeah. can't be in my head. But you're stuck. And then I start writing deeper shit. The new material I'm writing, it's really about me. Yeah. And I don't want to tell people not to get the album I just did, but it's jokes, and they're good yeah. jokes. But right. you don't get a good sense of the madness <laughs> inside of me from it. But now I'm sort of like honing in on that, and that's because of Shabbat. <laughs> So now, somebody says, "Why are you keep it shabbat?" I say, "You got to see the shit I wrote." <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, but it, do you do you, uh, do
0: you give God any credit for that, or is just uh, you know just a, well? I know, don't. Know, and I it forces don't. you to do
1: things. Is she a Jew now or what? She's almost a Jew. It's uh, what, what's my relationship God? to God is complicated because I've and I still can't seem to figure out what kind of God I believe in. If it's like a Spinoza God, like we were talking about, or a personal God, you know, a Moses God. I, you know, I like the idea of talking to God, but I don't know if I'm just a madman talking to myself, you know, for comfort. I yeah, can't. but but you're honoring the laws of God, mm-hmm. and then all this this conversation is
0: coming out of you. Mm-hmm. It's revealing something to you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it makes me think for yeah. sure. You know. Yeah. So what? And now you tell me she's almost a Jew. What what what, other, what hoops does she have to jump through now?
1: Well, uh, she has to complete her learning to become a Jew. Uh huh. So. I'm excited about that because once she's a Jew, I could sort of figure out where I want to be, and maybe she'll relax a yeah. little bit. And so maybe she'll become yeah. a lax Jew. She
0: become a Jew, go through all the things just to say, like, yeah, I don't want to be that Jewy.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's like I have to, I have to do certain things throughout the conversion. I don't know what I'll keep up afterwards, you know. Yeah, like what else? Um, well, uh, I keep kosher with meat specifically. Really? Yeah, but I, but I, but that's easy for me. That's nothing, because. I mean, you just what, don't eat a lot of it. At heart, I'm a vegetarian with bad willpower. Yeah, that's that's really where I'm at. Yeah, I don't like. I'm a I'm a big animal guy. Yeah. If if I had a stronger willpower, I would be a a vegetarian for sure. Right. And I've tried it. You right. know, And I've lasted like three months here and four months there. So easy enough for me. And 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 kosher makes sense for me in terms of ethics because the way that an animal is killed for it to be kosher it yeah. has to die instantly and painlessly right so if i'm going to kill an animal to eat it yeah. i'd rather that it doesn't suffer right and i'm i'm big into all the vegan propaganda and i'm yeah. and you know you know how they kill uh, cows and they put a you know i forget what it's called but these they they drive a metal shank through their heads and they convulse and you know they suffer terribly you know and i had a moment which is uh it just made me feel bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. right. It's probably good. This is this is the craziest thing about it. If there's something that's definitely crazy, you know, and I think everybody has one of these things. That, yeah. You know Ralphie May, who's uh. Yeah, I know Ralph. Uh, wonderful guy. Yeah. I, I work for him. I produce his podcast, and I open for him. He's had me open for him for six years. Yeah. So he's like a—he's very against all this stuff that I do, and and he's a good friend, and we talk about it all the time. And he he—he's a big atheist, and he almost died not long ago. Yeah. And he and he had one of these moments where he says he felt like his soul was leaving his body, felt it being pulled out of the mill. But he doesn't like to talk about it because it would make him sound crazy. So we all yeah. have that thing that makes you sound yeah, crazy, right? Whether you believe in God or not. So I was sitting in Whole Foods eating chicken. Yeah. And I had this moment with the chicken, where I kind of felt like this piece of this chicken, this piece of chicken of the chicken I ate, this chicken suffered. It was like I felt some kind of a weird pain internally from this chicken. Yeah, I could have. It could have been also because I was raising chickens in my backyard at that time. Where was this? In Brooklyn. You were raising chickens. I was raising chickens. Yeah. Well, for what? For pets, for eggs, you know. For eggs? Yeah. In Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, yeah. What behind a brownstone? Yeah. Well, was it a brownstone? I remember. Well, what do you mean Is it an apartment building? Yeah, an apartment building. So you had a chicken coop behind your apartment building? Yeah. Me and my Ecuadorian gangster neighbors raised some chickens together. Just as an
0: experiment, or you eat the eggs? Did you butcher the chickens?
1: <laughs> we 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 didn't actually get any eggs out of it because we did it all wrong. We got postmenopausal chicken and a rooster that would have fertilized them anyway. We had a plan that we were going to sell fresh eggs to hipsters. But it didn't go right. This was your big idea for a business? I'm not that business savvy. (laughs) You're going to sell eggs to hipsters? Yeah, I was just going to sell... We were going to do the Brooklyn Egg Company. Okay. With two chickens? One chicken and a rooster. That was the egg company. Yeah, one chicken? But but the rooster and the chicken, they sort of fell in love and the chicken was old and we tried to bring another chicken in and and she pecked it to death. And killed the chicken? Yeah, the chicken got jealous of the other chicken that we brought in and killed the other chicken. Because it was going near her man, you know? She didn't like it. So, so you she had chicken, the chicken. Yeah, had chicken drama. I had chicken drama. And no eggs. So then we said, you know, we both became very attached to the chicken and the rooster. We said, fuck the egg company. It was a stupid idea anyway. Yeah. And we had a pet chicken and a pet rooster. Oh my God. So, I,
0: but the, the idea that you were going to start a company with one egg chicken. Yeah, it wasn't. Well, we were going to start
1: with one and then buy more and more and more. Did but, you read any books on it? Did you get an idea of how you. This was an impulsive move
0: where do you buy chickens in live Brooklyn. poultry shop there's a lot in chinatown no right now, in, in bushwick we, all right so you went to the jew yeah. live poultry
1: uh no we went first to an arabic one and they wouldn't sell us live chickens and then we went to a spanish one that you know it's funny I, I actually wound up doing a whole story about this and it and it got on this american life i did it on a podcast and then they had me redo it ira glass called yeah. me up and said tell this chicken story yeah and now everybody knows me as this this chicken story. Oh, right? so this is not new news. It's not new news, but yeah. But uh but I got this deep connection with chickens. Yeah. And now like, you know, I still feel guilty eating chicken because I, I kind of fell in love with these chickens, yeah. you know. And there was this moment, I'm sitting in Whole Foods, I'm eating this chicken, I felt like this horrible inner sorrow for this chicken I was eating. I was like, That's it. I can't eat chicken anymore unless it's kosher. Right. That's it. Because at least I know that way it died quickly and painlessly. Right. Because I can't give up chicken completely. I don't have the willpower. Right. So this is the struggle. This is another struggle. It's so I think struggle. whether I was religious or not, I wouldn't eat chicken unless it was a kosher chicken. Okay. So that right. part's easy for me. Right. All and right. So the other stuff. That's a long way to answer that question.
0: No, though. but I mean the other stuff. I mean what 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 else has to be done? I mean you got the Sabbath going, and she's got her learning to do,
1: and yeah, and then and then what happens? She's going to be a Jew. She's gonna be a Jew. You're gonna marry her? That's the plan. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't fall through between now and then, I wanna marry her. Okay. Uh and uh How are your parents a Jewish they're still holding on or what? Yeah, they're still holding on. What's your father yeah. do? He's a photographer. Yeah? Yeah. For who? A freelance photojournalist. Yeah? Yeah. You grew up with that? I grew up with that. When I was a kid he was uh always he was always gone he did the gulf war yeah i remember like watching the war on tv and in, in queens on the in flushing with my mom and we seeing like bombs go off on tv and she's like that's where your dad is <laughs> great yeah wait do you take any famous shots yeah i mean there's a shot of uh the israeli peace process with rabin and Arafat and Clinton, yeah, that where they're shaking hands, and my dad uh took there's several shots of that, yeah. but one of the ones that got used a lot was his that's good, yeah, and what's your mom do? She's an occupational therapist, what does that mean? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no. no idea, she works with kids, and yeah, helps them do things, yeah, troubled kids, yeah, all right, She works with kids, okay, and you got you got a sister, right, No, I have three younger brothers, yeah. How'd yeah. they turn out? Um, they're all right. My brother one of my brothers is sorta of trying to find himself. My other brother sells chemicals. He's in India right now testing chemicals. What kind? For medicine? I, I think it's evil shit, but I'm not sure, you know. Yeah. Uh it's uh it's all this international uh it's like you know, Turkey and India are doing a big chemical trade, and yeah. you know they have to make sure that the stuff is pure. Right. I imagine him sort of like in a Breaking Bad situation, yeah.
0: <laughs> with some Indian people yelling at him, yeah, and some uh, Turkish people yelling at him,
1: yeah. And what's the other one do? Um, and the other one is in college. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, how long you lived out here? Eight months now.
0: I, I, last I checked in with you, you weren't too happy.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of acclimating. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's tough because I got some momentum going in New York, and then I I left. Why did you and do that? Mostly on the influence of of a woman of my my girlfriend. Didn't she just complained and complained about New York, and and I had kept saying I'm going to go to L.A. eventually, and she said, Well, why do you keep saying eventually? Let's just go. So I said, All right, fine.
0: This was after the European tour. I mean, that seemed to be a big breakthrough for you. Yeah, I mean, you were doing comedy a lot and. you... Starting to work at some of the clubs in New York, but it wasn't going that
1: easy, right? Yeah, I mean, I was starting to get some paid weekends at a few different joints, and it was good. You know, yeah, when I come here, it's like I'm starting from scratch again. But but you're
0: running a podcast network.
1: I was running an early podcast network, but I I dissolved that. A well, how, a while what, how ago. do you produce Ralphie's? I just produce Ralphie's podcast. Oh, that's it. Is, that's it. Um. You know, I've been opening for him for a long time and he's he he knew I it's a skill that I have and him and his wife Lana wanted to do a podcast and I said, All right, let's do something kinda of different and he said, All right, make it happen. Yeah. So that's what I do. So what how'd the European thing change for you? Because like I remember, you know, you know you're a guy
0: been around since you were a kid. We all know you, We all do the, the radio show. And you know, you were struggling a bit, you know, trying to figure out what the hell your voice was. Right. And, uh, you, know, I, um, you know, this record, this is pretty new. Some so kind of yeah. comedian. Oh, so he good. did it with stand-up records. Yeah. But you're already saying that this material, you've moved beyond it?
1: This was I recorded this two years ago. That's Dan Schwissel for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Schwissel will take his time. He's a good man, though. I he's like good, him. I like he's him another blood. Jewish man. Yeah. A
0: big Jewish man. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dan. Yeah, no, he did my first two records, or second two records, and then reissued my first one. He's yeah. a good guy.
1: So I got The good thing about that is I'm almost ready to do another one now and this so you one's coming out quick yeah so you taped that in scotland i did that in scotland my mom is from glasgow and uh <laughs> hit you i yeah i'm i'm a there's a very small scottish jewish community that's been in scotland for a while and i come from that that really Jew. like yeah. how
0: long what's the history of that
1: i know that we go back about at least five i think about five generations in glasgow how'd they end up there did you ever ask your mother that Um, nobody really, my grandfather's, my grandmother came from Austria. Yeah. You know, when the Nazis came, she, she left and, and went to, uh, England and eventually Scotland. Okay. My grandfather is like an original Scottish Jew. Right. His father, uh, was big in terms of building up Glasgow and had clothing shops all over and his father had been there.
0: Was it an Inquisition thing? I mean, go back to the 1500s or no?
1: Yeah, I mean, I know for sure my grandmother's side was originally from Spain, and they were kicked out during the Inquisition, and right? Went to Italy, and then uh, so you're Sephardic. Yeah, yeah. So Part in Turkey, and then someone to right. Vienna, right? And I still have like a lot of cousins in Turkey. I go out there and see my family. You go to Turkey? Yeah. First cousins? Yeah, uh, well, second cousins. Really? Yeah. What's Turkey like? Oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah, I love it. Istanbul is really... I mean, it's not a great time to go to Turkey now, but as a Jew, it's not very Jew-friendly right now. There's a lot of anti-Semitism kind of... Uh-huh. Anyway, that's what I hear through the Jewish... Yeah. You know, but your
0: family's still there.
1: Yeah, they're still there. And, uh, Are so they I Orthodox? A, no. Uh-huh. But uh, I got you know more family in Turkey and Scotland than I do in America. So I, uh, I've i spent... A, especially in Glasgow, I've spent a lot of my childhood there you know so really yeah i was on the glasgow boys swim team i was a camp counselor one summer in glasgow i and this because your grandmother lived there yeah my grandparents and my cousins and my uncles they're and, all there they're, yeah everybody's there
0: that's fascinating so, to me And yeah. they speak with a scottish accent
1: yeah they do that's bizarre <laughs> yeah there's uh there's about five thousand in total scottish jews
0: that's so little yeah So they can all sort of trace their genealogy probably back to like 300 people.
1: Yeah. If you ever meet a Scottish Jew, I'm probably related, but I definitely know them.
0: I wonder if they all came at the same time, like that original community and it just built out from there.
1: I think it originally came from England and people started shifting over there, but Scotland's always been very Jew friendly. There's never been any... Anti-Jewish anything in Scotland, so
0: yeah, it's a pretty place. So you taped a record in Glasgow, and that that's it. i mean, they're good. You know, I noticed that too when I went there. I went to, I think, one of maybe the first or the second Glasgow Comedy Festival, and I was nervous, you know, because I was doing long-form stuff. I was doing that divorce show, you know, the I loved s- that show, the Scorching, scorching the Earth, the Earth. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I could barely get it over in in America because it was so you know you know heartbreaking and and difficult. But when I did it in, in Glasgow, because it's all one story, and yeah. they fucking locked in, man. Yeah. I mean, they were, like, right there. Yeah. And they, I was like, this is amazing. This is, a, like, they they
1: they like stories. It's such a better place in many ways to do comedy. They're, they're there for the comedy. They want, they want it so bad. It's, yeah. It doesn't, I think there's such a sort of a star, famous star culture. Kind of what we go, now I can add something to what Pat Cooper was saying about a name and a star. Yeah. I think America's into the star, yeah, and and uh, and the UK is into the name, or not even into the name, but into the material. They're there without any no- preconceived notions. They're there because they trust that you say you're a comedian, you're going to be funny, right? And, uh, and and they'll let you know if you're not, but if you are, they'll 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 be there with you through the whole thing, you know. So you're this
0: international guy. So when you go to Glasgow, you're like, oh, I I know that's where I eat. And there's a, you know, I got a
1: buddy over there. Like, it's like a home away from home for you. I know the city of Glasgow, like the back of my hand. Yeah.
0: So, all right. So wait. All right. So you go over there to do this record. How long did you spend in Europe? Because I felt like to me, I don't know you that well, but there was a period there where you're like, you know, everything's turning around. Yeah. Like, you know, you're stuck in New York. The thing about New York is, you know, especially a sensitive guy like you, you know, all the comics, you're, 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 busting your balls to get on stage, you know, but you're, 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 you know, all the, you know, my generation, the one after me, you know, they're all starting to click and everything else, and you're still pounding your head against the wall, right? Right, yeah. And you like, I just felt that at a certain point, you're like, what the fuck am I going to do?
1: Yeah. And, I, that, and that's when I started going out to, to Europe and, uh got an agent out there I I did the Glasgow Comedy Festival six years ago I guess yeah and uh had a great great run and got an agent in London off of it and he started booking me around the UK so I started going in two month chunks out to the UK
0: and you were doing well out there
1: I was doing really well out there yeah I I would go two months come back for like three months go back for two months and then and then I could sort of float my apartment in Brooklyn off of that money yeah and, did uh, you get?
0: Did you walk in with the community there? Did you like? Uh, you know, some. You, did you find yourself hanging out with some of the old guys? Did you hang out with Jerry Sadowitz.
1: Oh yeah, I hung out with Jerry Sadowitz a bunch of times. It seems to make sense. Yeah, and I think we're related too. Really? He's a Scottish Jew too. Yeah, his. Well, we're not directly. My cousin. He's my cousin's cousin, so we're right. related through a cousin. You right. Know? so uh he's an interesting guy right he's cool man
0: yeah he didn't uh, want to he never wanted to do an interview he doesn't feel like he's, he's <laughs> he i wanted to interview him he's like i don't know what the hell i'm gonna say why, yeah why would you want to do that Dep- he's a little depressive
1: yeah he's oh a- he definitely is he's a funny dude though he we, we the first time i met him mm-hmm. you know this cousin that connects us my cousin in in glasgow mm-hmm. he's a pathological liar yeah and uh does he know that you know, it's sort of like I tried to bring it up with him a few times, but he's he's too far gone from it, you know? And and it's just like, his lies don't hurt me. Yeah. They've never really hurt me. Like they're, what? They're what, just like, so ridiculous. Like and, what? All right. Well, here's one that he didn't tell me, but I yeah. I, I went out there once. Yeah. You know, I, I hadn't been in like two years, and I, yeah. I get there, and everybody goes, it's going, great for your cousin there, you know, working for Rangers Football Club. Yeah. You know, it's a big... Yeah. And in Scotland, at yeah. got Celtics and Rangers. And yeah, I go. What's he doing for the Rangers Football Club? Oh, he's like the assistant to the manager. it's yeah. huge. Yeah. So I, I go. I ask him. I say, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. He goes. Oh yes, yes, it's great. It's great. You know, it's wonderful. I've I've become the assistant to the manager, Daniel. It's wonderful. All the all the players know me. I get any ticket you want to a game. Yeah. I go. Well, let's let's do it. Let's go see a game. Right. Okay, well, I'm gonna work on that, and probably next week we'll have it all sorted. You know, so I go, all right, you know, next week, and of course, no tickets to the game. I go, oh, what have you been? How come? How come you're around all this time? Aren't? Shouldn't you be over there? He goes, no, no, they've given me a leave because I've told them that you're in town. I told them my cousin's a great comedian from New York. He's in town, and they said, oh, take as much time as you need. So, I, I'm already starting to, to, you know, I know him. yeah I see his mom, I say, So, so what's he been up to? And she goes, Oh, it's terrible. He's been unemployed for some time now. <laughs> so, yeah, poor so, guy. So, he tells me one time, he goes, Do you want to have a curry with me and my Uncle Jerry? I go, oh, Okay. He goes, My yeah. Uncle Jerry Sadowitz. Did you know that I'm related to Jerry Sadowitz? Yeah. And I, I go, I I immediately assume it's a lie. And I go, no, but I'm, you know, I'm always down for a yeah, curry. Yeah. So that's how I that's how I work it yeah, with him. You yeah, know, yeah. If part of it appeals to me, I'm there. You yeah, know? yeah. So I said, yeah, I'll go get a curry with you. Yeah. And he makes up these astronomical lies. Yeah. That, you know, Jerry said he goes, Jerry, I've told him all about you. I've told yeah. him about your comedy, and he wants to take you and play theaters with you. And it's wonder- you know, he, he's he's a. He, I showed him some of your clips on YouTube, and. Okay, all right. Well, let's get a curry. You know, yeah, yeah. we get there and there's Jerry Sadowitz, and they really are related. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ah, you got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought
0: you were being strung
1: along. And then he goes, he has been telling me about your He yeah. It's very good stuff." I've yeah, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jerry's a he's a sweet guy. Yeah, heavy hearted guy. So what 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 did you find different though for you? Why do you think you had a hard time in New York getting over?
1: Mm-hmm. Versus, like, how were you received in the in the UK and stuff? I think it's as simple as, in New York, they weren't given opportunities, you know? I wasn't getting a chance. Nobody was saying, here's 20 minutes with a microphone in front of a crowd, you yeah,
0: know? right. Why and do you think that was?
1: It's very competitive, and yeah. there was too many guys above me, yeah. you know? Yeah. I went out there, people didn't have a context for, okay, he's, you know... Yeah, yeah. He's below this and this and this rank. Yeah. Here's a guy from New York, and he says he's funny. Let's see. Yeah. I I went up there, and I was funny, and they okay. Yeah. You know. Were you building a following up a little bit or what? Yeah, I've done okay with that out there. I get I got a lot of regulars that come out. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they email me. I got it. I'm gonna hopefully go back out in August. I'm I'm trying to work to where Scotland or to London. Both. Yeah. Anywhere in the UK now. I'll just you know wherever they send me. Yeah. You know. (laughs) Uh, probably you know England and and Ireland and Wales and hopefully Scotland too. And you
0: just do what do you do? One nighters? You do few days? How's it work? I don't do any of that, so I'm curious. Yeah. You know, I mean, what do you find the difference between the cultures are? If there, when you when you do the show and you talk about yourself, you say you're doing this more autobiographical stuff. Is there a cultural difference in you know what they'll take as comedy and what they won't take as comedy? I don't think so.
1: You know, I think basically. Because our biggest export is entertainment, yeah, and everybody sees our movies. And like when you go to a movie here, right, you're not yeah. seeing something from Spain or something, you're, right, right, right. You know, but someone in Spain is seeing a movie from here. Yeah, they. So, it's sort of, and it's an American art form, and they get it. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, they're all watching Two and a Half Men. You know. Right. Right.
0: They and, and they also watch American stand up, and so, yeah.
1: so there's not too much that's that's going to be alien to them in right. terms of references. Right. And, right. Right. So.
0: But I always felt like, you know, because of what kind of self-involved and, you know, whiny, that, you, know, the, you know, that they're like, oh, why is he talking
1: about that, you know? I I don't think that's true. Or maybe I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't I, want to disagree with you either, Mark. No, I'm, no, no. But, no. I, mean, but I, I don't think it's true. I think... Completely likely that I made it up. Yeah. I think that might be just something you came up with that you, you're going to have to dispel for yourself, yeah. you know? So did you give up your place in uh, in Brooklyn? Unfortunately, I had to, yeah. I, and then where are you living here? Um, we're off the 10 by La Cienega. Yeah. I don't know what, that there's a name to that neighborhood. It's like, uh, La Cienega Heights.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so, like, when I, t- when I think when we connected a few months ago, you were unhappy.
1: Yeah. I, uh, well, it's, it's hard to leave that energy of New York. And I've sort of had like a, you know, I'm from, it's hard to explain to people who aren't really from the city, but I'm from New York City. And yeah. it's kind of like a part of me that... yeah. That it that's missing when I'm not there, yeah, and uh, and I have a lot of anger towards New York' because I feel like I never got the love there. you know, people always come from out of town and and sort of like jump ahead, you yeah. know, they're yeah, like, oh, yeah, this guy was great in Arkansas, and, yeah. uh, and they' are like, okay, we'll put him up. I well, have <laughs> I started here in New York, you know, <laughs> Yeah. They're like, well, you're still starting. You're still, you got to climb the ranks in New York. It sucks because when you're from New York, you can't come to New York and be, right. you know. It takes a while. And then everybody sees you starting out. It's like they see your embarrassing moments. Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: yeah. So what's going on for you here? What's your feelings?
1: It's, it's getting better. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting up. I'm, I'm starting to get up regularly at shows. Yeah. People are putting me up. And I'm I'm sort of finding some comfort in that. It's rough yeah. here, man, because
0: it's like it's not the same system. I, I don't like I get so far away from it. I don't you know, and I remember the struggle of that like when I talked to guys like you or, you know, like when I first came out here when I was really young and you just don't know what's going on or how the system works. And, you know, you got to have a friend or, you yeah. know, whatever. And it's just everything is just it's so separate here in New York. You just walk around the corner. There's that guy, and you know everybody, and yeah. you sort of like there's a social network, and you just got to walk across town and go to some other shitty club or whatever you're gonna do. Right. And here it's like I gotta drive, I gotta figure out where to park, and I gotta go, you know, walk around like an asshole, and, and you know, look for somebody maybe who knows me, and, so they can walk me into the fucking room. It's a and,
1: humbling and, experience, especially like I'm coming on eleven years of this now, and and. It, going somewhere else you you know there's always this hope like I didn't think I'm going to show up here and be a star people be like hey Danny Lobel the guy from the thing in yeah. New York I didn't think that <laughs> but I did kind of hope that someone would be like oh he's been around Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know not yet huh? and and it really hadn't hasn't panned out that way at all <laughs> you know I gotta hang out more but I hang out a little bit
0: what are you doing if you're not hanging out sitting around being Jewish yeah <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in touch with God, yeah, you're just like turning shit off and waiting to write on Sunday, yeah, yeah,
1: or it's Saturday afternoon. What is it? I've been writing so much. I Saturday mean, afternoon's a big writing day for you, yeah, since I got here, I've like banged out six scripts, you know, have you? yeah, what full what screenplays? one full screenplay and a bunch of shorts, and, uh, yeah, I've just been writing and writing and writing, so what what I got are, endless movie ideas? How that do we I've get these into and, production? I might have I might have one of them getting made. Somebody who heard me on This American Life was a director. Yeah. with AFI. Oh, good. So that's that that's what got me going. They're like, yeah. give me a script. So I was like, oh, okay. So I, I wrote it out, and then I was like, oh, I get I got another idea. I got another. Yeah, idea. yeah. So I, I started writing all these scripts like a madman. <laughs> oh, good. You know, so that's and Kylie Kylie, my girlfriend, writes with me, and she's a she's like a real writer writer. Yeah. She's a she's a journalist. Right. And a, and a serious writer, so it's kind of good because I get those serious bits in that are that are like legit, you uh-huh, know? Uh-huh. and authentic. And uh-huh. then I can kind of like make fun, make them funny. Yeah. So.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. So uh, that might be the that might be the thing that happens. I
1: think that I'm hoping that that's the thing that happens.
0: That it's a lot easier life in some respects.
1: Yeah, it would be good, and then I could. I mean, this is my dream. If I if I All can right. dream, I, I I get some movies going. Yeah. And I, and I build a following here you mm-hmm. know there here and there yeah and uh and I can sort of do little theaters and and sell them and yeah you know, play to those theaters whenever I want and I would you know I wouldn't have to worry about if I'm walking to a venue or not or anything like that yeah that's 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 a dream of mine but you know ultimately I just want to be doing shows every night and getting on stage and jamming and jamming doing. yeah did you did you interview Rickles no, that's one. There's two people that I've always wanted to interview. One either. of them you got, Mel Mel Brooks. That was a good one. He's like a big hero, and I yeah. loved your interview with him. It was phenomenal.
0: I'm glad you could enjoy it without going. Oh, I asked him that question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really love it. You know, I. Yeah. It's kind of nice to sit back and and let you do the work on these because uh-huh, you good. do such a great job with them, and <laughs> and I and I satisfy the, these questions that I want to know. They're getting satisfied. Oh, good, good, good. And it's, I think I wouldn't be writing as many scripts if it wasn't. I'd be <laughs> focusing on. But you do such a beautiful job with these interviews. Well, oh, thanks, buddy. Rickles, I never got, and I tried so hard for years. I used to call this guy who uh, who's who's the gatekeeper to interviewing Rickles. Yeah, and and he go uh, he go uh, Don can't do it. He's eighty years old. And I and I put it in my calendar. Call back next year. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I called back. He goes. He's eighty two years old. He can't do it. <laughs> he's 83 i did this for four years he goes he's 84 i said you should have let me interview him when he was 81 (laughs) he's still doing other things he's on tv and uh and then i got close i I met his cousin yeah we had a pesach seder together yeah yeah and and she's like oh well you know unfortunately i think one of his kids passed away yeah yeah she goes oh i could have got you an interview with him but his kid passed away Mm. and i was like well that's that's it that's Mm -hmm. when i gave it over but I, I would love to, or I Who hope else? you do. Are you going to interview him? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I felt I can, like they was doing a lot of interviews for a while, and then it's just... Did you interview Shecky Green? I didn't interview him, but I didn't try, you know? I
0: tried once, and he got angry about something. It wasn't it had nothing to do with me. Who uh, else, Joan Rivers? You interviewed her, right? I
1: didn't interview Joan Rivers either. I came awfully close with Woody Allen. Have you tried to interview him? No, I don't even know where to start. I can maybe help you with that. I'm, oh, yeah? Yeah, but uh, I... um, The thing is, I wanted Woody Allen. That was, you know like my ultimate comedy sure, guy i gotta sure. interview woody allen yeah so i knew he played uh at the carlisle on yeah. monday nights right and i'm also big big into jazz i yeah, think he brought me some nice records yeah I've, i'm uh, a big clarinet fan he plays the clarinet yeah I, I know all the guys that he loves and yeah uh i said we gotta have we have comedy in common and we have sydney bechet in common let's yeah. do this you know i yeah. go down there and and uh I, I talked to his uh the guy who manages the jazz band and he yeah. goes, Oh, he says Woody Woody's not gonna wanna do that interview. He said he doesn't like doing interviews, but if you wanna stay and watch the jazz, you can stay and watch the jazz. So it was great. And uh and I'm chatting with the guy and he says, Yeah, come around next week. You can you could watch the jazz. I go, All right, cool. So I start coming around every week and yeah. uh, I got to know Woody a little bit through that. You know, he, he's not a guy that's you know, wears his heart on his sleeve too yeah. much as you know. But yeah uh i finally asked him of the interview and he was he he rejected me in the nicest sweetest way i i wouldn't i wouldn't enjoy that (laughs) i go well i don't want to make him do something he wouldn't enjoy (laughs) yeah so all right but i but i uh i still go around there when i'm in new york on monday nights and they all they all kind of know me and i can come in and watch the jazz and yeah and hang out and it's always a very interesting group of people, you know, that surround that, that surround that table. He has got a table too. Yeah, but he doesn't usually sit at it. Oh, no, he doesn't. It's uh, yeah. it's in the back in the Carlisle, and it's his manager and a bunch of Jack it, Rollins old friends. No, I never saw Jack Rollins there, but his his friend, like he yeah, has one or two friends from when he was a kid, and they all tell me some really cool stories about him and uh, just. You know, I, it's it, they're, they've they sort of welcomed me in that. That's you know that scene, and I and I can talk jazz too. You know, so yeah. I yeah. don't know. So that's yeah, as
0: close I, as I got with them. But it's interesting the idea of tables. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's there's a table for everything. It's yeah. just can you get allowed to? Can you get access to sit at it? You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, that's it. We just want to sit around. Just a seat at the
0: table. The cellar yeah. table. The Jackie Mason table, yeah. the Woody Allen table. There's the what a, Jesus table.
1: There was always yeah. a table. You yeah, know? yeah.
0: There's a table here, you know, down at the, uh, there's a couple of tables. There's this, I think the Sunday table still at Victor's with the writers. And then the I think Paul Mazursky and some old Jews, they hang out at the farmer's market. There's a oh, table over a table. there.
1: I'd like to go to old Jews and farmer's market. That's, that's my kind of table.
0: Yeah, I know. I think you got to go find some tables here.
1: Yeah. Once I find my tables, I'll be at home, you know. <laughs> Well,
0: well, you're always welcome in mind, Danny. Thanks for talking, buddy. Thanks, Mark. That's it. That's the broadcast. People. Oh, man. People. Yes. I will be in Buffalo at Helium Comedy Club this week, June 20, 21, and 22, doing the stand-up. Yes, that's, uh, that is happening. Tomorrow... Tuesday, I will be here at the Paley Center in Los Angeles doing a panel, a uh, IFC's Marin panel with uh, the showrunners, Bobcat Goldthwaite, the producer, Jim Servico. the showrunners are Michael Jamin and Sievert Glarum and me. We're going to run some footage. We're going to answer some questions. We're going to talk. We're going to do a panel thing. So if you're in L.A. and you want to come to that, that's at 7 p.m. at the Paley Center here, Helium Comedy Club in uh, Buffalo this Thursday, Friday and Saturday. All right, what else? Go to WTFpod.com for all your WTFpod needs. I'm looking forward to next week, the 400th episode. Amazing guest. I can't even I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I could. It'll be fun, man. It'll be fun. Do all the things you need to do at WTFpod.com. Get the app if you're new. Boomer lives.